people want to believe. We just tell each other, just read the Bible. But what happens when it isn't so easy to understand? This is No God. Welcome to No God. I am Micah, and I'm here with my dad, Tony. Dad, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and why people should listen to you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm Tony Kafka. I've been a minister, a a church uh, leader, pastor, minister for 40 years, more than 40 years now. And I've been a part of discussions with a lot of different people who just have basic, straightforward questions that they want some answers to. And I've tried to do the best I can through the years to come up with just kind of clear ways to understand things that sometimes we think are complicated, but they're not that tough. And really, most of all, so that they can just really grow to know God even better. All right. And also with us is my mom, Sandy. Hi. (laughs) She has a little bit of a cold today, so uh, forgive her if she's to pop out for a second. But uh, she's still being brave and going to do this with us. And uh, it takes us to what is our topic for today? Well, topic for today is really the bottom line is how do I pick a Bible to read or how do I know what I'm reading in a Bible is um, the right thing to understand. Because sometimes there's enough differences or things are difficult to understand that we just need to have some confidence about how to understand it and also then just how to pick a Bible, whether it's an actual Bible that we buy at a bookstore or whether now is some of the digital versions that are available. So that's what we're going to talk about today. All right. So when it comes to translations, uh, first of all, just kind of a reminder that the Bible in the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew, and actually a couple of renditions of Hebrew as it uh, covered a span of nearly a thousand years between when Moses wrote and when the last prophet Malachi wrote. And so even in in any language over a span of uh, a thousand years, you're going to have some variations. So that's one factor in that we, we don't read it in Hebrew. I mean... The typical person doesn't read it in Hebrew. <laughs> and don't. so we want to be confident that the English translation that we're reading is representing that Hebrew decently and good enough. Um, and on the New Testament side, it's written in Greek of 2,000 years ago. And so, again, it takes that trust in a translator, translators, that what was originally written by the New Testament authors, the apostles and the prophets, is what we're reading in English represents what they said so that we are understanding what God's word is. All right. So that's the issues. And so to kind of jump into that, um, there's, there's different theories of translation and different translations are built on one of those theories. And so we can just jump into that if we want to. Sounds good. Jump right in. So if I'm talking to somebody, I say, so what Bible do you have? And if they say, well, I've got, you know, I've got a new King James version. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that that one is more on the lines of a literal translation, which is one of the kinds of translation, which means they're trying, the translators are trying as much as possible to go word for word and to stay in the order of the words of the sentences as much as they can. Although, just taking Greek, for example, Greek always starts with the verb and not the subject, and that's backwards from what English is. And so anybody who says it's an absolute literal translation often doesn't understand that fundamental difference. You're just not going to do it. We don't say, you know, to town I go <laughs> or uh, going to town I am. That sounds like Yoda, you know. And so we... So Greek spoke like Yoda. Yes, Greek is spoke like Yoda with a verb first <laughs> and then everything else. I mean, it varies, but that's more typical. Whereas in English, 
we almost always have the subject of a sentence first and then the verb. So that's one difference. But little translations, the primary concern of those is accuracy. And so you have uh, old standby literals, which are like the New American Standard Bible, which was built off of the old American Standard Version from 1900, the actual year, 1900. <laughs> and they were trying to come up with this, you know, more of a word-for-word exact translation of the thing. And so others that are in that same tradition are uh, the the English Standard Version, which is available on most digital Bible apps that I've seen, and the New King James Version and the New Re- Revised Standard Version, those are all going to be in that ballpark of literal. Now, there are ultral literal translations that often will be in a digital Bible list. That'd be one example of that is what's called Young's. And that was done... That, like Young's, like as in I am young? Yeah, as a I am young. The uh, a, a Bible scholar from more than 100 years ago he just did this almost absolutely word for word in the exact same order as those sentences. And so it is not very readable for the <laughs> English reader. But for somebody who wants that, there it is. Uh, but the English Standard Version and the New American Standard Bible are on most Bible apps. And they're the ones that for most readers, they're going to go, okay, I, I can pretty much understand what's, I mean, I can, I can read it. I'm not always sure I understand right. what it says. So that's literal. So that's one kind of translation. Uh, then kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum of that is the paraphrase or the free translation. And the primary concern with those translators is readability. Um, they're highly, they, because of that, they have to be highly interpretive because at times they just go ahead and instead of just kind of leaving something hanging there, they go ahead and tell the reader, this is how I think it ought to, what, what it means. Whereas actually in a literal, it's going to be more kind of hanging there. You're going to have to dig into it. So it doesn't, doesn't interpret as much. Typically, a paraphrase or a free translation is easier to read. And some of the examples of those, and interestingly enough, these are two great examples. The Message Bible, uh, which is more recent, that is in the 1990s, uh, done by Eugene uh, Peterson, who actually, uh, excuse me, Eugene Patterson, who actually, this is 2000. Uh, 18 right now, October. He just passed away last week. Oh, wow. And so he did that translation by himself. And again, the typical paraphrase is done by one person. Really? Because they're putting their whole way of talking into <laughs> it. And so the the message and then the Living Bible, which used to just be called uh, Living Translation. Now they call it the Living Bible, but you'll see it in digital in digital form. And both of those, the original with the Living Bible was that uh, a guy named uh, P, uh, Taylor actually, or T- Taylor started his own, he, he did this translation, mm-hmm. nobody would uh, print it for him. This is in the 1960s. Okay. It was too free <laughs> for the 60s, early 60s. And so he went ahead and published it himself. And it kind of became a standard. Uh, and some people will, uh, some people in this circle will remember the hippie Bible or the drug Bible, ah. and that was that was their their take in the '60s and '70s was that they put actual photographs through that Bible instead of just like illustrations, and so it was trying to and it had photographs dealing with topics rather than like just trying to show Bible stories. Right? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Bible. Yeah, and so anyway, that Bible, but it was it it became a standard. And accepted because the Billy Graham Association kind of adopted that one as a go-to Bible. And so then that one has since then gone through a revision by a group of people. 
So it has, has a lot of credibility. So that's the free. So there's your spectrum, literal versus what, you know, free paraphrase. Okay. And so then in the middle uh, is what is called a dynamic translation. All right. And so there, I think there's like a notable translation that we haven't talked about yet. Is that where the NIV is going to fall? The NIV is going <laughs> to fall in the dynamic <laughs> translation. Uh, dynamic meaning that the primary concern is a balance of accuracy and readability. And sometimes it's really in a, most of the time it's a very sweet spot. And occasionally people still have a difficult time reading maybe parts of it or uh, theological purists will hassle about something that that translation did. I've been guilty of that myself at times. <laughs> but the NIV is one of those. Uh, dynamic translations. And another one is the NLT, the New Living Translation, not to be confused with the Living Bible. They're two different things. Okay? All right. But the Living uh, Translation, NLT, is also a dynamic translation. And honestly, it is, the NIV and that one together are like neck and neck. It's more of a preference at that point for a person who wants to use that. But when they read that one, you can be sure that it's you know, close to what the original languages were trying to communicate while at the same time being free enough to give, not to not leave some things just totally ununderstandable because of the way that it, it's not uh, done. So you have the, then the, the things that are like that, the contemporary English version, which used to be called Good News for Modern Man. Um, yes. You have those that are all that kind of dynamic translation. So that's, that's the three. I mean, you could maybe divide this into more pieces, but it's kind of, again, a spectrum from the literal uh, dynamic in the middle, which is concerned about accuracy like literal and understandability like the free paraphrases. And then you have the paraphrases. Uh, and so those are, those are all good things to know about how to read a Bible and how to, and how to uh, choose a Bible. And it's good to know that's what the intention of the translators were with the particular Bible that you might be reading. Nice. Yeah. So that's theories of translation. And so, again, some people are going to go, well, what do I do? The amazing thing is now that, like, I can think of two Bible apps, you know, BibleGateway.com, Bible.com, which is also called the U version. And both of those have a all of this cross-section of right, all three right. of these. Yeah. So they're available to anybody for free. But if a person wants to buy their own, you know, those are still factors to take into account. And so you might be wondering, so what passages can this actually make any right, yeah, difference yeah, yeah. So like, Yeah, I mean, we, that's a whole lot of information all yeah. thrown at us. But yeah, I'm hoping you have examples to show how this works. Well, I do. And back in the day, until digital Bibles, uh, people like myself and anybody who was trying to use this spectrum right. would have to lay these Bibles out on your desk side <laughs> by side in order to get this view. I, I, I believe I remember you doing that. <laughs> and so that would be a common thing. I'd have a little side table to my desk and I'd have these different translations laying side by side so that I could compare them. And I just look back on that and I go, you know, I thought I was doing great, but man, that is really old, not just old school, but it is slow, slow, slow. Uh, so anyway, but that's what I had to do. Now you can take like BibleGateway.com, especially with the uh, desktop version and even the the tablet version yeah. and you can put those translations side by side with uh, 
the phone version apps that typically you can't put the translation side by side. They're just the screen is too small. Right, but you so, just have a drop on your menu and you move it and right. you got the other translation. Yeah, you just go to the translations and once you kind of have your habit of how you're going to do that, it works pretty good. So here's an interesting passage. It's not like big doctrinal things hang in the balance, but understandability kind of comes into play here. And this is in uh, in the New Testament in the uh, little epistle that or little letter from Paul that's called Colossians in chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. I'm going to read it from the literal New American Standard Bible. And it says this, For in him, that is in Christ, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Now, there it is. You go, okay, that's kind of a mouthful. It sounds pretty theological. Yeah. Um, and so, in him you've been made complete, and he is the head and rule over all authority. So that's the rest of that verse. But the part that I want to focus in on is that... In him, that is in Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. All the fullness of deity dwells in bodily... Yeah, that's a mouthful. Yeah, that's a mouthful, and most people are just going to go, okay, that's wonderful. Uh, But not necessarily connect with it. NIV has it very, very similarly. And this is dynamic translation. These are dynamic. These are the ones that are considered, yes. Well, no, the New American is the the literal. The NIV is dynamic, dynamic, as well as the NLT. And so the, the best that the NLT goes with is just that for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So okay. that helps a little bit more. Yeah, okay, human body, God. God in a human body. So that's, for many people, that's much more understandable, and that's the purpose of a dynamic translation. Now, Eugene Peterson, with the message, uh, did it this way. And I picked this one purposely because his paraphrase is extremely free, <laughs> but at the same time, actually maybe drives home a lot more of the understanding in this particular case. He, right. did, he did it this way. Everything of God gets expressed in him. That is in Jesus. So everything of God gets expressed in him. So you can see and hear him clearly. You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. Wow. That's a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, did, when were microscopes invented? <laughs> Well, the purpose of a paraphrase <laughs> is to make it as if the writer was writing right now. Right. And right. so okay. they're going to use metaphors and, uh, and of now. And so that's quite a jump. You go, okay, it said in the literal, fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And then all of a sudden, we've got microscopes and telescopes and horoscopes. Nice. Yes. Okay, so what's happening there? I have no idea. <laughs> That's why I picked this passage, because if someone is comparing, and this doesn't happen that often, but with a good free paraphrase like uh, the message or like the Living Bible, you're going to occasionally have these things where people go, what? How could it be so different Yeah, and still be true? Because, for example, Eugene Peterson was a conservative Bible teacher. So it's not like he's going crazy or something. So what he did was he looked back on the original Greek phrasing here and didn't just do the words of it but looked at what that would have felt like to the original reader and then said well what is that like today and then brought it forward with metaphors of today which is the metaphor is that if the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form it means that anything that you can think of to explain existence right is in christ and so the the spectrum of metaphor is Microscope, telescope, that is the smallest oh, yeah, okay. to the largest. Horoscope, meaning any type of spiritual or quasi-spiritual ways of explaining existence. And then 
that we in this we can realize the fullness of Christ kind of in comparison to the emptiness of the universe without Christ as an explanation of it. All right. So I would say, I mean, I guess one of the things that I, I always tell people is don't be afraid when you read something, you go, what? How does that match up? Because a lot of people are more familiar with that NIV or NLT. I mean, not a lot of people read the message like day after day for devotions. Right. Uh, you know, some people do. And then sometimes people actually look down on other people who are like reading a free paraphrase all the time. So, well, you're not really, you're just reading all kinds of stuff that this guy <laughs> added into the Bible. And that's often a phrase that's given about paraphrases, free paraphrases. Yeah, is, yeah. Oh man, look at this. They added to the word of God. And of course, if they have been, are aware of what it says in the book of Revelation, that you shouldn't add anything to this prophecy, which is actually a whole nother story there. But <laughs> anyway, they take that as, look at all of these words words that this translator added and so he has gone out of bounds right yeah he added telescopes yes yes <laughs> yeah and so um the point is that he is just taking what he saw as the metaphors embodied in that very short greek phrase and then brings it forward to this is what readers nowadays should read into that passage of scripture and so then we have just take it as well that's eugene peterson's take on that right. nonetheless a very credible person so that's a that's kind of a fun passage. Okay, actually, it's a little more fun. What else you got for us? Well, I've got one here that is maybe maybe more when when people see it they'll go, okay, this is more like a complete picture, not so much like whoa, a complete picture. You know where that the uh, the message in, in Colossians two is like, oh my goodness, where in the world did that come from? Right. But one that's a little more like. Uh, people will feel like it's helpful is Romans eight thirty eight to 39. And again, it's one that people are maybe a little more familiar with. It, it reads like this in the, I'm going to read it this time in the uh, NIV. It says, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. A great promise that nothing can separate us and so the Apostle Paul, as he was writing this down, gave quite a spectrum of possibilities of things that might that people might think be uh, tempted to believe that could separate us from God's right. love. And so, and again, the NIV is a dynamic translation. Um, I didn't read the literal because the NIV is not that far off of that okay. literal translation. So we're going to take a look at the NLT, which is a dynamic translation just like the NIV. It reads like this, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so rather than using the tighter, yeah. short like poetic phrasing that the NIV attempts to do, which actually the NIV often does that with sections that they've that they believe are poetic. Right. You'll even see in the NIV sometimes those things set off in stanzas. Yeah, yeah. And that's the, because the interpreters, Bible translators, are saying, "Well, this is like this is like a hymn or a poem or something," and they'll do it that way. And so the NLT just goes, "Okay, that's a little too poetic. People aren't going to grab a hold of that." I think if we say something like our worries about tomorrow is better than saying something like things in the future. Right. They feel like it's more understandable. And so that's why they do that. 
Uh, so a message, since we did message with Colossians, <laughs> we need to do message. It's, it's, a, it's a great free translation. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Now, actually, interestingly enough, the message here is shorter. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Yeah. In, in this case, he didn't add microscopes. No, he didn't add microscopes. Instead, he just got, he felt like it was more important just to get to the simple truth of what this is. And he felt like that by just saying angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, is better than the bigger words that are there. And so, again, it's it's a great tool to put these translations side by side and then to not get too caught up in where they disagree, but rather kind of find, because all of these translations that I've mentioned, yeah, we have confidence that they are going to be done by conscientious believers who are not trying to deceive anybody. And so let's just take them, lay them side by side, and almost like, say... Let's take what they say. Let's blend them together. Right. Let's let maybe one stand out more for me today because it actually is helping me today in my understanding or in my nice. encouragement. And then just run with it. And then turn around five years later mm-hmm. and you're reading a different translation and all of a sudden it speaks to you better. Nice. But to be confident that these translations are good. All right. They're so, helpful. A lot of information. Let's take a break yes. for just a second. Yes. Give people a chance to catch up if they want to. What was the first translation you were introduced to the Bible in? Well, um, well, the first one that was actually like handed to me that I read for myself because I was in church where I'd hear it read, had no idea what, right? You know what it was. Uh, not not any particular translation. Didn't even know anything about translations. Yeah. But as a high school kid, actually had a Catholic priest give me the New American Bible which was the newest translation in the 1970s for Catholics. Now, that's not to be confused with the New American Mm -hmm. Standard Bible that we've already been talking about. Right, so it's different. (laughs) (laughs) It's different. But the priest knew that I was interested in reading the Bible. And, of course, their conviction is you should read a Catholic-authorized translation. So he gave that to me. And in that, my faith was fed in reading that. Now, secondarily... I was giving a good news for modern man, New Testament. Yeah. Paperback version. Not by the Catholic priest. No, not, not by, by the Catholic, Catholic priest. Is that the one that had like the little drawings in it? Yeah, it has the, yeah. the, the stick string figure. or stick yeah, figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're not stick because they're rounded. Right. So it's like string figures. <laughs> and I still have that Bible. Um, and that one I marked up a lot. I did a lot of, took notes when I was listening to sermons or when I was in lessons. I took a lot of notes in the back of it. I did, it was kind of like the first Bible that I really felt like it was mine to uh, embed into my life. And so I, I wrote in it, I colored in it, and I hauled it with me. Like I had summer jobs, like I was one year on a construction crew for a feedlot, <laughs> and I had that NIV paperback yeah. in my lunch pail. Actually, I had a lunch pail. And so I had that, and I would read it, and of course, then every once in a while, I'd get really crazy and someone would ask me a bible question and as a 17 year old i'd be trying to teach the bible on a lunch hour <laughs> at a, a construction of a feedlot and that, that that makes sense <laughs> how about you mom what was your first translation oh king james version when i was a kid yeah and that's what we memorized and stuff you know the um and then i th- was it the living bible the yeah as a teenager 
Of course, it was frowned on by a lot of the adults. But <laughs> is that why you liked it? <laughs> it was, well, it had reach out. What was the yeah, reach it just, out? It was called the reach out whatever. Bible. <laughs> had pictures on the front, you know, and all that. Yeah. 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 Nice. All right, let's jump back in. So anyway, there's other verses or other passages, and uh, you know we could go on and on. Some of them are a little more; they stand out as distinctive. But let me give you one more, and again, it's not a big deal, except for the person who's trying to get a little more fine points in their theological understanding. Right. Okay, and that is Romans chapter eight, verse three. Right. Uh, but Romans eight, actually, as a whole chapter in the Bible, is one that has some variations. We've already looked at one of them in Romans 8. Uh, it has more variations for, across translations than maybe any other chapter in the whole Bible because there's a lot of theology yeah. wow. in Romans 8. And so you're going to have you're going to have people kind of kind of looking at that tighter. So Romans 8:3 is one of these that has a simple thing, the NLT which is a dynamic translation. Um, and actually, the NIV original translation, because yeah. it's been revised a couple times since then, but the NLT goes like this. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. Okay. Now, that's what it says in the NLT. And again, that we kind of go sinful nature. You've got to know a little bit about Bible to do right. that. But actually, this is where your other translations even struggle to help us out because of the the theological background on this, the translators are more cautious okay. about being more free. And again, the usual reader is not going to know this, but they're going to kind of go with Romans 8.3 because it says like in the New American Standard Bible, which is a, a literal, it goes, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did by sending his son. And so the difference here is when the literal goes, weakened by the flesh, and they right. just use that word flesh, whereas the NLT said, the weakness of our sinful nature. And here's the theological challenge. <laughs> <laughs> is And again, for a lot of people, they're not, not going to matter, but if, you, if you're moving to where, what is the nature of human beings? This is a big question. Right. So why do human beings sin? This is really what it is about. And so are we weakened by the flesh which has to be defined, what theologically is that talking about, versus weakened by our sinful nature. And we go, well, they're trying to tell us what it is, but what is sinful nature? And so this is where the translators just go, flesh, sinful nature, we're just going to use either word, nobody knows what they actually mean. Do we get a third option? We don't get a really strong third option. <laughs> uh, the Living Bible says it this way, and it's really... The order of the sentence is really jumbled up, but um, it goes like this. We weren't saved from sin's grasp by knowing the commandments of God because we can't and don't keep them. And so instead of saying weakened by the flesh, weakened by human nature or by sinful nature, they say, we just can't keep them. Okay. I mean, it doesn't, so, it doesn't tell you the source. It just tells just you the result. You yeah, you just can't. All right. Yeah. All right. Now... A lot of people will understand that moment in our lives, the moments in life. Believers will understand when you go, ah, I, I, can't, I can't save myself or I can't do the right thing or different ways people go. I'm, I'm hopeless. I'm at my bottom. People have all different ways of describing that. But what this is talking about is flesh versus, um, flesh versus weakened by human, uh, by, by uh, sinful nature. Sinful nature. You're not, you're going to be left with, uh, okay, so what do I do? Call Tony or yeah. my pastor? 
This is where actually a good Bible dictionary is a thing to go with. And don't get like Merriam-Webster's dictionary. Okay. Those are fine. But you need a Bible dictionary at this point. And so you're going to go to a Bible bookstore or go online and buy something that is from like a Zondervan or an Erdman's publishers. Um, and you're going to uh, buy a Bible dictionary. Honestly, for most people, I would go with just a one volume Bible dictionary. If the Bible, okay, let me just put it this way. All right. The more volumes of dictionary, yes. the less likely you're going to understand it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's the most amount of volumes you can get? Uh, that I know of, 10. Okay. For, and that's just New Testament. Oh. Yeah, just, that's just New Testament. So right. anyway, Bible dictionary, one volume, um, and there's a lot of newer ones, but typically Zondervan is a good source, and even Tyndale which is a publisher out of Chicago that does the living uh, translation as well. Those are good ones if they've got a good one-volume dictionary. And again, a lot of people in their Bible softwares or in their apps are going to see something. But typically, you got to pay for these. Okay. You don't usually get these free. So again, I would say, if you're getting a Bible dictionary for free, it's probably not going to help you. Because that means it's probably worked off of the King James Version. And they're using the King James translation mm. to so give you those words. with the words. Bible dictionary, do you have to know Greek? No. So you're not looking up a Greek word and trying to... No. Okay. A Bible dictionary will occasionally say, it's coming from this Greek word, but you don't even have to be able to read it. Right. Okay. It, it just tells you that that's what's happening. It's just showing off. Yeah. Okay. It's just showing off. And so <laughs> then you're going to go, like a good uh, Bible dictionary is going to have the word flesh. Uh, okay. And then you're going to look at the New Testament passages and its definition about flesh. Right. And that's where you're going to begin to get a little more detail about a the theological perspective. Because here's the, here's the spectrum on flesh. Flesh is the actual flesh, like we think of. Flesh of people. And in the, Bible, in the New Testament then, it's, a, it's attached to the part of human nature that tends to sin. So it's... Is it the spirit or is it the actual body that's sinning? And you go, well, it's not just the body because my will is making right. decisions to sin. And so flesh then is sometimes in move to like the NLT did with uh, sinful nature. Because they're just going to say it's the part of the human being that tends to sin. And that's where they leave it. And really that's not too bad. Except that the flesh... The, the bad theology behind this is, over the centuries, there, yeah. there rose up a, uh, a theology that still is around today that basically says, if it's of the body, if it has anything to do with physical action, it is no good. It is sinful, or it certainly can never do anything good for God. And you can see the mischief that that brings, yeah, where yeah. you don't... So, since anything that I do with my body can never be good then why should I bother trying to be good? Because my body is discounted. Right. That is, it's going to be bad anyhow. Be yeah. And that's true. Because I can do good things for bad motives with my body, and it's sin. Even if the deed was helping the poor. If I'm doing it for my personal glory, yes. it's actually a sin. <laughs> that's James, by the way. We'll, we'll talk about that another time. But so the deal about flesh is that the safeguard you want to have is don't think of, and even when it says uh, the, uh, the sinful nature, don't think of that the body is evil inherently because that is not Christian or biblical theology. Yeah. The body is good. It's made by God. 
The soul, the spirit is good. It's made by God. But sin has brought corruption. And again, a topic for another time is the brokenness of human nature when we're born because of the sins of Adam and Eve being the brokenness of human nature is passed forward. And that's where this sinful nature part kind of comes into it. Basically, if you want to use older and more traditional theology, it's it's the bedrock of original sin doctrine, okay. which not every church holds to. There are churches that do and churches that deny origin, the guilt of original sin. Right. And so we have the guilt of original sin or we have the consequences of the original sin of Adam and Eve. And so the sinful nature, again, is like just riding the line. <laughs> Okay. What are we talking about here? <laughs> but it's talking about the brokenness. And so when when it gets into like a Romans 8, 3 passage or other places where you go, well, these four translations are kind of saying the exact same thing and I still don't understand it. Yeah. Then I would say a person should realize, okay, this is an area of a little bit of a spectrum of theology and the translators are not going to mess with it. Right. They're just going to they leave They don't want to try to lean too hard in one direction. They're going to leave it where you got to go, oh, I'm going to have to dig into this a little bit more. So again, that's kind of like a, a clue. It's like, if you do read something like that, you've compared translations and you go, um, that doesn't help. Then you might infer, oh, this is probably one of those things that there's some disagreement right. amongst Christians on. So anyway, just kind of a, a clue, a kind of a heads up on that. Mm-hmm. All right, what else we got? Well, those are samples. I'm not sure if we need to go through a ton more okay. samples. Yeah, I think we're probably good on that. Yeah. And so that kind of leaves us with as we just think about you know, what's next for me is to think about, well, so how do I choose a translation? What do I do about translations? Well, first Obviously of all, you pick the one that has the uh, string drawings because it's got string drawings in it. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a great one. And that one is, it's a dynamic translation, but the problem is dynamic, almost paraphrase, right? Some people actually call it paraphrase, but it's a dynamic, but it is tied to the vocabulary of the 60s and 70s. And so it's slowly going out of date. Yeah. That's why the, the Living Bible, which was translated in the 60s, has already been revised to the Living Bible. Oh, so wait, so there's Living Bible and the Living Bible. Right. Oh, okay. Because the original Living <laughs> Bible actually was originally called Taylor's Paraphrase. Right. But that didn't sound too authentic. And so... <laughs> They start calling it the Living Bible, and then he started his own publishing company to publish it, and so forth. But so you have you have this deal where if it's too much in the vocabulary of the decade, right, it's going to get dated within two or three decades easily. And I think nowadays maybe even quicker. Yeah. And so that's the challenge of the paraphrase, the free paraphrases. And so that's what they did with the Living. So I would say it's still the the Living Bible, the the revised part of it is a good one. But still, it's like, if I want a literal, I I tend to go with the English Standard Version. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that for most people, it'd be a good choice and it's readily available. Uh, if I was going to go with the dynamic, the NLT with the New Living Translation or the NIV, which the NIV is, has actually a number of renditions too, like the NIV um, Reader's Edition, which means for people who have a reading level of 12 of 12 years old or younger. Okay. Which I, I recommend to a lot of men, actually. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of, kind of a joke. but um, And so NIVs are going to be that way. And then, so that gets you your, your dynamic, your literal is the English Standard Version. And then with your paraphrases, you know, hey, the message is always worth a look. <laughs> you know, if you just kind of go, I wonder what old Eugene thought about this one. 
you know, and you just take a look at it. Otherwise, the Living Bible, uh, not to be confused with New Living Translation, uh, is another one of those. And it's like, it's good. And so then that's that. Then you go with study Bibles, which are study Bibles have the additional notes. Like you'll see a column in the middle. You'll see notes across the bottom or on sidebar, depends on how the thing's laid out. And in the digital editions, there'll be lots of footnotes. Right. Is how that works. And so, again, the the NLT study Bible and the NIV study Bibles, they're both dynamic translations. And their study Bibles, the interesting thing about them are that the sections, the study notes sections were written by people who actually worked on the translation teams. And so what they're telling you is, this is how we decided to translate it this way. And so again, that's a really compact one book, one Bible way to have a lot of information from the individuals that did the translating. That's cool. So study Bibles are a good thing. And like I said before, the uh, you need a good Bible dictionary to help you out. Yeah. So mom, what Bible translation do you read on a regular basis? Probably still the NIV. Yeah? Yeah. And dad? Uh, I... Uh, do a lot with NIV. I st- I use the English Standard uh, regularly, uh, and then if, and then I have read through the NLT, the New Living Translation, mm-hmm. uh, which is comparable to the NIV. And so that's kind of the field that I've done. I've never read like all the way through the Message Bible. I've actually read most of the New Testament out of it. And so again, it's just kind of like, but that's because I read in my Bible every day, and so I will like. Again, if we're talking about reading strategies, like if I'm going to read through the New Testament this year, or someone is listening is going to do that, then just pick one translation probably and just read it through. And then whenever you have a passage that you go, ah, I'd like to see more about that, then do the comparisons. But don't don't try to read the Bible through with comparisons. Right, right. That's that's crazy. Yeah, I, I if I the Bible that I read, if I'm just going to read one. I've got next to my bed is the uh, the ESV, which my parents gave to me. It has my <laughs> <Yeah>. name on it. <laughs> um, and, you know, for me, I think I, I did that. I remember asking for that, but the, my big reason was I grew up on a steady diet of NIV, so my brain has a tendency to turn off once it hears any NIV verse because it's like, oh, you know this. You don't need to listen again. Mm-hmm. So uh, switching to the ESV just made me work a little bit harder to to read it, and my, my brain doesn't turn off. Um, but then again, my, most often I listen to the Bible nowadays and I've been using an app called, uh, dwell mm-hmm. and I have no idea what translation that is. I should probably look into that. They probably have it somewhere in their settings. They oh, I'm sure they do. Yeah. I just, uh, haven't, uh, investigated enough yet. Maybe it's under advanced. No, that just, uh, <laughs> tells me to destroy all data and exit. I'm not going to do that. All right. <laughs> but yeah, for me, I, I really love, I really enjoy listening to the Bible. So that, that's been a great app for me. Yeah, and again, that's kind of another podcast of how to kind of take in bigger pictures from yeah. the Bible. And part of that really is, for most people, I think it's listening. Uh, some people can do it reading. And then some people who have the time to listen and follow along in a in a printed text at the yeah. same time. Again, some people are that style of learners. Those are all good things, the big pictures. So that when you when you read something specific and you in your mind it kind of goes... I think there's something else in the Bible that says that a lot differently, or maybe it says it similarly. Yeah. And so you kind of build those connections. So in choosing, choosing a translation, it still comes down to just getting one that, especially if a person is struggling to read in any kind of regular fashion, get one that's readable. 
Yeah. And so that may be like the Living Bible. Uh, and even the message might be a good choice just to don't get stuck on a translation. You just go, uh, just reading the words, reading the paragraphs, marking chapters, and not really getting anything from it. That's obviously that's not a great strategy. All right. So that's what I would do. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we will be back again soon. And uh, I know this has been a very dense one for us. So we'll uh, we'll have some other interesting topics coming off. And um, I'm gonna have a few that I'm going to surprise my dad with too and see how he does on the fly with something. But again, thank you for joining us and I hope you guys have a great day. If you have any questions, just email us at nogod at tonykafka.com. That's K-N-O-W-G-O-D at T-O-N-Y-K-A-F-K-A dot com.